Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. So, number one, in any syndication business that you want to do, you need to learn how to raise capital. That's the utmost important point thing. And you got to do it as soon as possible. Welcome to the show. You are listening to the Real Estate Lab podcast. In this lab, we decode the stories, secrets, and skills of the most brilliant minds in real estate investing, then turn their wisdom into practical advice and knowledge that we can use to boost our income. And now, let's turn it over to our host, V. It's a great day to be alive and to invest in real estate. My name is V Koo, and you're listening to my show, the Real Estate Lab podcast. Our guest today is someone whom I have just met recently at a conference in Colorado. Our guest is an expert in tax as he has a master in taxation and is currently a director of income tax for a company in Texas. He worked on Wall Street for 15 years as director of taxation of the Americas. When he's not working, he enjoys traveling and spending time with his wife and two daughters. I can tell you this guy hustled hard. He started investing in real estate since 2003 and had recently switched over to multifamily. So most of the days after his W-2 jobs, he spends time with his family and then hit the ground running with his real estate business. He's the founder of Greystone Capital Group and hosts a meetup called Greystone Capital Group Apartment Investment Club in Dallas. You should definitely go to one of his events if you're in the area. And you can check out his companies at www.graystonecapgroup.com. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Jonathan Wei. In today's episode, Jonathan and I discuss about his latest apartment purchase and also share some information about the market that he's buying in. Now, before we start, if you haven't done so, please do me a favor and head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and review the show to help boost the ranking of our show. Or if you just want to chat with me, hey, schedule a call at www.callwithv, that's V with two E's.com. Again, that's www.callwithv.com. If you want to connect with Jonathan, check out the show notes for his LinkedIn profiles link. Or you can email him at info at graystonecapgroup.com. All right, let's turn it over to my conversation with Jonathan Wei. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Real Estate Lab Podcast. Jonathan, it's so good to have you here with us, man. Uh, great. It's great to be here, B. So we were just talking. You came out to Denver first time about 10 years ago at a conference? Yes, that's correct. What was the conference? It was a real estate conference. These two gurus will teach you how to um, buy things in front of houses, use creative financing, master lease option, or one of those. Uh, you know, owner financing and those kind of creative tips, how you buy homes, basically. So it was an overall general view of real estate investing, just different options that you can do. Yeah, for more for residential, not for commercial. It's more like, oh, you buy a house, go talk to the owner, see the owner is interested in selling your house. You could do maybe um, a deed, like you do it, there's a, there's a deed, you could just fill, fill out a deed to sign, a, to sign over the, the title in the kitchen. It was also like, why don't you try owner financing or why don't you try this and that to help the owner the owner is distressed or got divorced or something, you, you did to help them, you're a problem solver, basically. That's what it is. 
Right. Was it the about the time you start to uh, get in, more interested in investing in real estate? Yeah, I was always had an interest because uh, when I was younger, I had a passion for real estate. When I was uh, in my in my 20s, I bought my first condo in uh, Princeton, New Jersey, which is where I, I I lived for six years. And I decided to, um, I was hooked. I bought another condo. Then I bought another condo. I had three condos. And then I joined the, the Garden State Real Estate Investment Club, which is a local New Jersey club here. And I found out from one of my coworkers, uh, one of the, the colleagues there, said that you could go to Philadelphia, get a cheap row home, right? It was like $50,000 row home. And the property tax is like maybe $300 a year. Right. And they're saying, why don't you go there and you know fix and flip and, and buy the shelf for like $10,000 and then rent it out or you can do, um, you could just sell it, you know? So I, I went down with my brothers and my wife, and we we looked around the family. And we said, "Hey, you know, maybe we'll invest in South Philly or Temple area. Temple is known for a little more high crime and a little more, you know, it's a little more um, kind of like a war zone, it's like a war zone area." Okay. So that was more riskier because it was high crime and a lot of shootings. Um, the safer side was near the the Bella Vista, which is South Philly, and we we were targeting South Philly for for lesser crime. So we, we did buy like a shell. We trying to fix it up and, and we sold it. Uh, I bought one stabilized property where I rented out. I bought like fifty thousand. I rented out. Made made a pretty good cash flow. So we did that in Philadelphia for a while. And while I was working as a career, I'm a CPA. I'm a tax professional. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad book, uh, which you know changed my life. Like most most people read this book, and I want a passive income. But I didn't know how because me being an individual didn't know I could do syndication or multifamily. Right. And back in the old days, there was no internet. There was not much Facebook. It was basically like Barnes & Noble. We go to the bookstore and you read the books. So in the old days, you could not get information readily available. So that's why I didn't know about those items like so until like recently. Well, how, how old are you talking about now? How, old days, how many years ago? Well, that time was 2000 and uh, 2000, maybe 2001, and it wasn't that okay. readily available that I know of on the internet that's like this much syndication. So all we did was look at books and read the books. Then, uh, you know, it was only like maybe like a year ago, maybe two years ago, a year ago, I, I read, I saw um, some YouTube videos on with Peter Harris, which is, has three YouTube videos talking about multifamily and why multifamily is a choice to to reach financial freedom. And I really liked this. I got hooked on his videos. I watched every single video. I learned the basics of what's, you know, what's cap rate and what is, um, how do you value cap rate? Uh, how would you go find deals? What do you look for in certain metrics? And, and et cetera, et cetera. So then I, I said, I want to evaluate the deal. So I found Michael Blanc's SDA analyzer online. Okay. And it was a very affordable price. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll pay for this price and I'll, 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 Test run a couple of deals to see if you know this makes sense, and if I can actually actually underwrite a deal. And me being an Excel wizard, uh, tax guru, I use Excel almost every single day. So for me, it was it was like no, it was it was easy for me. So I I I I got that, and I read his book, The Ultimate Guide to Investing in Real Estate in Multifamily. I think it was called. Mm-hmm. I bought that, and it was a really interesting book. I really liked his experience. I felt like. This credibility to Michael Blanc's uh, writing, so I I decided to um, go into the mentorship program to get a coach, 
so it could take me to the next level, which is really leading a syndication, you know, helping me raising raising capital and teach me the secrets on how to become a successful syndicator. And that's that's what I did. Okay, so it's interesting. You started with this idea back in early 2000s and you bought a row home in Philadelphia. Yes. You bought those condos and then you bought the row homes. Then you didn't do anything for the next uh, 10, 15 years? No, I, I bought and hold like a lot of them. So like still today, I own a condo in New Jersey. It's, for, it's, a, it's a legacy asset I hold forever. Okay. So I want cash flow. Um, some I fix and flip in Philadelphia, so for short term. Mm-hmm. Some I, I hold, I hold for long term. Okay. So, but when I moved to to Dallas two and a half years ago from New Jersey, I I sold two of my condos and I kept one. So two and a half years ago, you moved to Dallas, and w- that was around the same time you joined Michael Blanks. Michael Blanks. Michael Blanks joined last September, last year September. I joined Michael Blanks, and then. How long after that did you do your first syndication? Uh, so first deal, I became a passive investor okay. to to shadow his moves and be invited to his his meetings and and uh, due diligence. And I was invited to that as a student, so I did I invested money with that. And then the second deal was when I, when my coach said, "Oh, the student needs help. Do you want to help the student raise capital?" And me being an eager student who wanted to get into deals and wanted to do well. Said sure, I'll raise my hand. I'll help. I'll help the student. And I it was the first time venturing into really raising capital. And you only you don't know that, that feeling until you actually do it, right? <laughs> right? And it was very difficult. My first time raising was very very difficult. I asked all my friends, my families, and all my people I knew, and I was able to raise some money, but most of them didn't want didn't want to invest because what I realized was it takes time. It takes certain steps. That you should have, that you should have been doing all along to get soft commitments, because you come at the last minute and you say I have a deal, you want a fifty thousand dollars on a deal, they get scared, right? Because it's a large amount of money, they don't know the team, they don't know if it's going to be successful, so they they ask many questions. But even because the, the problem is that a lot of ordinary folks don't know what syndication means, and it's not out on TV like similar to like REITs and like bonds. It's very common. So you say you want to invest in a REIT, they understand what a REIT is. You want to invest in a mutual fund, S&P 5, you know, 500 index. They, they understand what that is. But when you show them like a syndication, if you've never heard of it, they get, they, get, they get nervous, right? They're very scared because they think that either they lose all the money or it's, it's something that it, it could be a scam, right? Because they don't know what it is. It could be Bernie Madoff. So, so they're very careful and they, they, they tend not to invest first. They want to see how the deal goes first. And on the second deal, they might they might invest. And that's that's kind of what I've seen. But I also I also learned from going to Adam Adams Raising Money Summit and and hearing you know my friend Rama speaking out of other people speaking on the stage. I learned that there's certain steps you can do to kind of groom them, educate them, um, and get them to the process where they can feel comfortable enough to be to, to kind of do a soft commitment. And it's only then that you can be able to gauge how much you can raise, how much deal size you can, you can get, and how quickly you raise the capital. Because if you just go get a deal and you have no clue how to get the capital, you could be stranded in that deal. So from your first raise and what you have learned from the Raising Money Summit 2019, what are the top three tips or 
tricks that you have learned that you will now implement differently? Yeah. So number one, in any syndication business that you want to do, you need to learn how to raise capital. That's the most important important thing. And you got to do it as soon as possible. And the steps how you do it is, and actually this is kind of outlined in some courses that some people have put together recently. And basically what it is, is first step is branding. Uh, Get your company, get your branding, put on social media, let people know who you are so they know who you are and what you do. So tell them what you do and have branding, have logos, have business cards, and put on social media. Have a website too, a good website. Number two, you should go to meet meetups, meet people, have business cards, um, and even create your own local meetup. Like I, I did myself, I have a local one in Dallas. I meet one once a month. And I also have a Zoom meeting. Oh, yeah. What's your meetup called? Oh. Uh, Greystone Capital Group, named after my, my firm's company. Okay. okay. And I also have a, uh, so I do two folds because what I realized was when you have a local meetup, it's limited to people in Dallas. And if when Dallas is very large, so it's only limited to that that area. So the the turnout won't be that big as you expect it to be. That's number one. Uh, and, and someone always busy that, that that night, right? And number two, so what I did was I did two fronts now. I do one local meetup, and I do once a month a webinar Zoom meeting with industry experts. So I can learn it myself if I don't know the topic, and I can interview them hand by hand and do it. And I record it and I put it on my YouTube channel. So that's another branding mechanism I do. So so I, I recommend those tips to build your brand, to get your your you get your clout out, and also um, get your knowledge too. If you connect with more people. Your network is your is your net worth. So you build more people. Like I met you, it's great. We met you, you know, we have a connection, and we have a, we have a better relationship now. So this is this is very valuable in in real estate business. It's very very valuable. Definitely meeting someone online and even connecting with that person online is one thing. Yes, but getting that face to face is a hundred times better. Yes, yeah. So that's why um, it's 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 important that you have um, you, you do these things and have local meetups. And then one time, if you're you invest, if someone in California flies into Dallas, you hey, come by meetup, we'll meet up. You know, so it's great. So. Okay. So what's the third tips that you learned from Adam's uh, summit, and you will implement differently? So I have I use uh, CRM, which is if you don't know CRM is like a is a sales is a marketing tool where you can track customers when you send them like email. So what I do is once a month, I try to reach out to my own investors and potential investors. I do a MailChimp campaign where you send out a newsletter saying, hey, this is what I'm up to. This is the deals I'm looking at. I've been at Adam Adams Summit. Meet me there if you want to meet me there. Um, I have a local meetup coming up soon. Here's a new next guest speaker on my on my on my Zoom meeting, my webinar. Mm-hmm. So I, I let them know what's happening in my community. To let them know, I'm a, number one, I'm active, I'm serious, and I'm growing. Um, and also, when you do that, you um, you get a lot of followers because they see you on the camera, they know who you are, they know that you are genuine and you're serious about success. So they'll come and want to say hello to you, and then you can. You know, say hello to them, and it could be they could be part of your, one of your past investors. So that that's another that's another thing I'll let you know. And it's always important to strategically partner people who 
who are more ex- also more experienced because if you need to raise ten million dollars for a large deal, I can I know some people who can bring in who can help me raise ten million dollars, right? So like for example, I'm friends with Adam Adams, I'm friends with you know Michael Blanc, I'm friends with some other people that um, I know here, you know, some of the people in, in the big multifamily world as well. So I could probably have partners help me raise some money as well. Okay, so let's talk due diligence for a little bit on your going back to your first deal. Yeah, I'm sure you. So you had Michael Blanc to help you out, and your first deal that you did everything yourself on the GP side. You're the lead investor now. How yes. did you use your skill or your knowledge from the CPA world? to do your due diligence on multifamily? Because a lot of it is financial due diligence and physical due diligence. I'm sure your expertise lies on the numbers. So you, I'm yes. sure you have a lot of things to share when it comes to due diligence, uh, especially on financial due diligence. Yeah, so uh, very important. Under the CPA rules, um, there's something called conservatism. The principle when you study CPA exam, um, and I apply that throughout my underwriting because there's two things you got to do. You have your conservative and you need multiple exit strategies. So in case something happens. So in return, in respect to due diligence, you always need to check your your competitors. You, you got to benchmark what the rent rent is in the area. You should drive by there. You should actually visit the competing apartments to see how renovated they are how much they're going for. If it's far away, I have my broker go take pictures from me, give me his insight because he's, he's, he's a local broker. And then I look at pictures online, apartments.com. And you can see the pictures and you see how much it's going for, for live in, in real time. So those are true numbers. Then you look at the com- comparables in like, um, like I get a report like a CoStar report or Yardi Matrix, which is like a, which is like a uh, analytical tool, a, a, a report that gives you sales comps, the rent comps, and the, the whole neighborhood. So I can analyze and say what are the areas running for, who is my competitors, and what ra- radius status, and what's the uh, sales comp. So I have a good sense of what what the numbers should be, how much, how much I should be, you know, kind of offering to you, right? Right. And then on the expenses side, you always want to call the the property tax assessor's office to make sure that their numbers is in line with what you're thinking and also ask them next year if there's any increases and normally how much is the increases because generally what happens is that if, you, if you're a new if you're a newbie to multifamily and underwriting what you're going to be what you're going to find out is that the property tax going to increase because after you buy your your value increased if your value increased your property tax reform is going to increase so what you need to do is you have to call the that 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 um, property tax assessor office and say, what is your formula? I need to know your formula. And then you apply whatever sales price you have. And that's your property tax. And then when you when you underwrite for the future, you got to add some elements of increases too. So, so, you, so you're covered. So normally on rent increase, we're going to 2%, which is very conservative. In our leases, I think it says 3%. So we know that we're, we're conservative in that, that front. I know it can get a little more, but I don't want to uh, I want to keep like three uh, percent, and then test that. And I'll say is make sure that you check every single item in expense. So lawn mowing, you know, um, pest control, you know, utilities. Who's paying the utilities? Then you got to think of planning opportunities. Can you use rubs, which means you you 
raise your utility bill and go back to the client, the tenants. What can you do to optimize and lower the expenses? What can you do to add other income like laundry income, vending machine? You have to think of ways how to optimize the spaces. And if you if, if you're living like in a city where space is a commodity, you can rent out like um, those storage spaces. So you have storage space in in, in the in the apartment building. You can say, hey, you can rent out maybe fifty dollars, hundred dollars a month for storage. You know, so they can put their goods in there. So that's another item. And if the unit is very large, you can maybe put a like a half wall or a wall, and you can make a two bedroom. So you have to check with the city code and and and, and uh, regulations. But if it's just simply putting like a maybe a drywall or something, you you can maybe in, may increase your in, income a lot. So that that's not a potential you got to think of. If your room is large enough to accommodate that, so you have to think outside the box, and you have to think very like um, strategically in how to maximize your income while maintaining and minimizing your expenses, and that's where getting a good property manager who has many years experience is very valuable. I mean, they are your right hand person. Uh, you're gonna asset manage them, but you also have to trust some of the instincts and the insight as well too to give you to gauge you. So. So, for example, usually my property manager is with me when I get a, a deal on the contract, and we gauge what is, you know, what's the amount, what's the expenses. So, we're a good idea what it is. So, they'll help you a lot. And something I just want to add also is you living in Texas, that's a non-disclosure state, and the tax assessor over there. Usually, um, they are very helpful in telling you the formula. Just for the audience listening, if you're buying in state like Texas that have the non-disclosure rules, the tax assessor will tell you exactly what to use to calculate the new taxes going into that new building you're trying to buy. Just like Jonathan was was um, relating to. Yes. Okay. So. Now that you have done a few under your belt, what are you most curious of, about next? I'm curious about asset management because I'm at a stage where I'm, I'm managing the asset, and um, it's it, it's interesting because um, I have to make sure that we can you know turn the units and properly have you know, properly make sure that the expenses are, are online to what I'm expecting. So in the beginning, it's a little rough because in the beginning there could be turbulence. The tenants could be testing you to see how your management is. They could not pay rent to test to see if you go to victim. In my case, you know, some people left, so that's normal. And then when you transition, some people leave, which is normal. So you expect a little bumps in the beginning. Then you get to start, you know, as time goes by, you're stabilizing it. You're you're putting positive good word, positive vibes, saying that we're here to make the the community better. Um, we're gonna put a new sign. For the environment, we're gonna put outdoor barbecue and pergola. We're gonna repaint it in gray, make it more, more modern instead of the old, old, old colors. And we're gonna organize food truck day, and we're gonna have um, special events at the community. And we're gonna fix the dryer that was broken, and put in place some vending machines. So I think that overall, the tenants will be more happy under new ownership, and someone who really cares about the quality of life for the tenants. And not just you know worry about just the, the PNL. So right now you are the main investor who's taking charge of the assets management. Do you, do you have someone else on your team to help you with some of the other functions in running this syndication business? I do, I do. I have um, I have people um, I'm training and uh, I'm, I'm teaching, and they'll be part of my team. 
Greystone team. These are my good friends who I trust, trusted confidence. And they are also my past investors. And they go to my meetup every single time. They're always there for me. And I'm all, they're always, you know, with me. So like Adam Adams, I think you met the two other people. They're with me. So, um, and they're, they're, they're there to, you know, you know do well in, in, in this business. So I'm here to help them as well too. Because if they succeed, I succeed. That's, that's what I believe in. And that's great because they invest in your deals and now you're training them, you're telling them what to do. So in a sense, they are acting as a general partner also because they're helping you taking care of their asset, their investment. Yes. Yes. So, you know, that's great because I, I need a team. I need, at a scale, I need people to help me asset manage and raise capital. So those are techniques. That's why, that's why I brought them to the, to, I paid the tickets for Jason and Bobby. I got a free ticket because um, I knew someone who uh, didn't come. So I brought them there on purpose to, the purpose to learn how to raise capital, get pre-commitments up to like, you know, five, $10 million so that my team, I'll be ready to get a next deal and not don't have to worry too much about raising capital. So, so what have you already put in motion to help you uh, implement your, whatever you learn from that summit? Meet up besides your Zoom calls. So I implemented what Rama kind of uh, emphasized was there's an acquaintance bucket and there's an investor bucket. Acquaintance, you need to get to know them first. You need to talk to them. You don't want to go straight to the straight to the horse and give them the, the deal deck. And also, uh, in my Mailchimp campaign, I, I incorporated uh, a Google Doc form that Rama suggested. And what that does is that to my investors who's been there for a while, they can now click on a button to 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 subscribe to any future offerings and do a self commitment. So in that form where it's kind of like a questionnaire, are you a credit investor? Are you not a credit investor? How much money you, you want to invest? How are you going to invest it? Solo 401k or individual cash or entity or trust? This will give me an idea of gauging of who's interested in, in my deals in in my members and who would want, how much they can commit. So that's an important tool I implemented from after doing that. And I'll meet up with Bobby and Jason tomorrow in my meetup to kind of talk to them, see what they're doing. And I know Bobby's going to present to me in front of this Asian professional group. To, oh, what group is that? It's a local group here in Dallas that's um, created by this Hong Kong socialite. She's a, she's a wealthy lady who has a lot, has a lot of time and uh, wanted to create social events um, and like go, 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 ice skating go movies go karaoke ktv for the asian community and meet friends meet genuine friends from a if you move from different state you want to meet friends and hang out she created that platform for you and she even lets you co-host it so she don't want to drive far from her hometown in frisco so she said if you want to be a co-host tell me and then you can do your own event and and just set it up what's the name of the group it's called asian Professional, I think Connect. Let me see what exactly what it is under my meetup. I know Bobby's a member of that, so let's see. Um, Asian. Yeah, I'm not. I can't really find it, but it's a it's an Asian professional connection. I think it's called. Is it Asian American Professionals Connect Dallas? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Yep. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you're welcome to join, and if you're in Dallas, you can always go to those events. They have like um, happy hours. They have 
let's go to Cowtown and, and check out the rodeo or something, you know, one of those things like that. Uh, when I went to one, and that's where I met Bobby. We ate the fried chicken and Korean fried chicken, and we chatted each other, and I told him I do multifamily. That's how he became interested. That's interesting. You just yeah. see in this business, you never know who you will run into. So right. you will always have to tell everyone about what you're doing. Yes, exactly. That's why I, I applaud you for, for doing that. Yeah, that's why I went there because uh, my strategy was to connect with Asian people and tell them what I'm doing and tell them. And, and, and it's, a, it's an interesting story, right? Because what I say is, hey, I'm a CPA. Uh, that's my day job. And within three years, I plan to leave that job and do my, do my, do my own business. And then naturally, they're going to say, what's your business? Then I get my business cards. I'm a multifamily syndicator. I buy buildings with family and friends and people like yourself. We pull our money together. Uh, me being the experienced guy and the experienced team, we'll lead the deal. We'll take care of it for you. You don't have to worry about the toilets or anything like that. And you could be just a limited partner and you get mailbox money every quarter. That's how, that's how I say it. And, uh, you know, he was, he was interested. He said, oh, it sounds very good. I want to come. I said, come to our meetup. So I gave him my meetup and he came over. And at first he was very leery. He, I said, do you want to invest? He said, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe raising capital for you. And then, and then he said that, um, then, then I, I said, okay, no, no worries, Bobby, no rush. Um, it's not a, you know, no sales pitch. So go on my website, graystonecapitalgroup.com. Go look at some of my portfolios, my videos. And then I'll see you next time in my meetup. He said, okay, sure. Then he, I scheduled next meetup. He's there right there on a the dot. And he goes, you know what, Jonathan? I really, I really like this thing. Um, I want to invest $25,000. Then I go, Bobby, okay, that's fine. I said, no, no problem. I'm here to help. Whatever you like. I said, no problem. I said, I'm going to get a deal soon for you. So, you know, I'll, I'll show you the deal deck and maybe help him raise money. He's like, okay, sounds good. Then uh, the, the next meetup, he goes, hey, Jonathan, man, I, 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 I'm, very inter- I'm, I'm very excited about your, your deal. I like what you do. I want to put $50,000 in, man. So I was very surprised. So He saw himself. Yeah, he saw himself. And then when I had a deal, uh, now this guy's a very smart guy too. And he goes, "Can I drive to the property?" I said, "You're welcome to drive." It's Oklahoma City. It's two hours and a half. And two, two hours and a half. I went there with Jason, so you're welcome on a weekend. Go up there, but don't mm-hmm. don't don't bother tenants. Just uh, you know, just pretend you're a tenant. You know. And he did that. He 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 tried to ask to look inside, but it was all it was all filled. Um, and he was surprised, and then he was like very happy that it was also all filled. And he drove two mile radius around the area to make sure that there's a Walmart, Sam's Club, there's economic growth. Right. And there is. And he's a, he, he texted me. He goes, Jonathan, I came back. It's a, a wonderful opportunity. It fits exactly the C class you talked about. He goes, how do you, where do you find this deal? I said, I'll tell you a little secret. It's called networking. <laughs> so, networking brokers. <laughs> so, and that's, and, that, and that's how he became, he became my trusted confidant because every time he comes to my meetup, he's always there. He's a very honest guy, and he's a very like a he's a very serious guy, and and very nice person too. So I can see he's trying to help me too. I, I I can feel it. So, you know. And that's why this is a relationship business. You help each other to, you know, propel into a bigger game. You have you basically went with him. He sold himself right, going from twenty five thousand to fifty. Yeah. Now he's your. He's in your tribe. He's helping you out yeah. with your business, with your deals. Yeah. He is more more or less your brand ambassador. Yes, yes. And he's trying to convince his friend too, Richard. Um, so it takes time. 
So when Richard Maria second year, he might come in. It just takes time to to kind of get indoctrinate people and kind of educate them about what multifamily syndication is. And for me, you know, it's fine. It's no, it's no problem. If he's interested, he'll, he'll come. He'll come. He'll come to to my meetups, and he'll join my group. So, can you tell us a little bit more about your meetup? When you meet? Where do you meet? Um, so my meetup is yeah, sure. So my meetup is um, it's happy hour. It's, it's called Social Mixer, Greystone Capital Group. It's uh, near my home. So um, I've been doing it at this place called Bar Louis in Allen, but I decided to. To, to mix it up and go to a different location where there's no more more better vibes, no more um, no growth. So I've been putting at a new place called Moxie, Moxie Bar and Grill, which is a new uh, bar. And I know that that's a nice nicer venue because um, one of my buddies threw it there and he had like a lot of people go and it was, it was a big success. So in my meetup group, um, I already have like 18, 90 people sign up to go go to my meetup tomorrow. And I think it'll be, I think it'll be a success. Because it's a great place, great food, great drinks, and all all it's about is to chill out, relax, get to know me, my company. We can chat about multifamily and what goals you like to achieve as a passive investor. And if you want to do active, we can talk about maybe um, you helping me maybe raise some capital or what are we needs are you looking for, so that I can help you as well. So so it's a great it's a great place to relax, chill out talk about my investments and see if you want to invest as a limited partner. Um, and if you want to do something else beyond that, we can talk more about that and see uh, if there's a need for that and how it'll fit into, mm-hmm. it fit into a plan. But basically, it's a happy hour. You come out, you get drinks, you, you meet my, my friends, my inner circle in the, in, in the multifamily space. They are my investors. They are my friends. Um, and, and we talk about, we can talk about multifamily. We talk about you know, their, their, their personal life stories. Whatever you want to talk about, the whole point is to connect, is to 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 network and connect, and get to know each other, and then we can talk more about multifamily if 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 you want to. So, Jonathan, when the audience listening to our show right now, yes, let's say in your business, can you think of a role that is a missing piece that you are trying to fill right now, and maybe the listener can fill that role. Yes, there, 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 there's a role. Um, like for example, finding good off-market deals is a is a key word I need. So, if there's any listener who can find good, you know, genuine off-market deals that is that is good in good areas that I I, I like. My areas are Oklahoma City, uh, Memphis, Atlanta, Georgia, some secondary areas of Texas, and Jacksonville, Florida. So if you have, if you anyone who has that kind of skill set or can find very good deals, that that that's 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 what I need. Okay, so you need someone to help fill the broker relation role. Yeah, because I, I have some broker contacts, and they're looking for me. I do have some leads, but um, if I need someone who can find me more, that would be great. And I'm always always looking for capital raises as well too. That's another area I'm always looking for. And just to clear that up, you're not looking for just someone to raise capital you're looking for them to join your team also yes yes this is not a pay for play yeah yeah, kind of deal. yeah. You, don't, you don't get compensated for a capital raising obviously um it's also like asset management and uh capital raising as well and some other functions so. right what i'm trying to convey is that if you're listening you unless you have a license you cannot raise capital for jonathan and get paid for it you have to be 
in his team doing something and you're helping with the capital raising part. Yes. Exactly. Unless you have a license, you're not allowed to get compensated by him or by anyone at all. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. So, Jonathan, what's the one thing that you wish you had known what, when you started in this whole venture about syndication? Um, I wish I... I wish I knew earlier that I felt like I'm a little late in the game. I wish I was younger, um, which I had more time to do and 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 not be so later in life. It's the way I feel. Even though I'm a lot wiser than I was maybe you know 20 years ago, but also I wish I had more time when I was younger. Is that why you're working so hard now? I mean, we're talking and and it's almost eight um, o'clock your time at night. Mm-hmm. And you had your day job, right? And you're doing the meetup, you're doing the Zoom calls. Yeah. You're doing a lot of things. And exactly what's your drive? What's your what's your why? My why is uh, my family, my daughter. Um, she's a young, uh, my daughter seven years old. My fa- I want to spend time with my family more. I want to travel more. I love traveling. I want to uh, also give back through donations and maybe help people in soup kitchens and uh, maybe give a meal to a, a needy family. So I want to give back to the community, and I want to do, do want to do good to the to the society. But I also want to have my own personal free time. I also want to spend time with my daughter, who's growing really fast. I want to uh, be able to spend time with my family and and do the things that you know I want to do on my own terms. I want to control time, because right now time controls me, and financial freedom will give me the privilege to to control and manage my own time. And to be able to uh, travel, be able to spend time with my daughter, go to certain events like Girl Scouts, uh, go to school, visit her some of the schools during lunchtime, um, and also you know do good things, right? Donate to you know breast cancer or AIDS research, um, maybe help people out in uh, volunteering um, and stuff like that. So I think uh, this would be very uh, important for me. That's why I'm working very hard. I'm working, I work, I work twelve hours a day. Like tonight, I'm going to write a deal that I got a lead off today. So, what does financial success looks like for you? Financial success to me means that I'm no longer needing to work my day job as a as a tax director. I no longer need to we worry about that, and so that I can focus on doing more multifamily, but also focus also on my family. So if I can do, if I can leave my day job and achieve that freedom, that's a big, that's a big win. And then just focus maybe nine to like three, just on my multifamily and have the other hours to spend with my family and do things and maybe do for my laptop remotely. That's a big win for me. And then I also want to progress my spiritual enlightenment as well too, toward that path as well. And that's very important for me too. Awesome, Jonathan. Before I let you go, just one last question. Yeah. Do you have an Asian name? I do. I was, um, well, I'm like you. I'm born in Saigon. And um, my original name, my Asian name, in Chinese or Vietnamese? It's up to you. I'm looking for just another name that people know you by. So if you have two names, go for it. Okay, so my other name is Ha Tran. So Tran is a very common Vietnamese last name. How did that go to from Tran to Wei? My father was drafted in the Vietnamese War. We lived in mm-hmm. Saigon. 
they gave him a name place. So your name, last name is Tran. My dad obviously didn't like that because he wasn't, he was ethnically Chinese. And when we moved to the States, I was given um, citizenship and they said that you can choose a name that you, that you want to choose. And I was getting ridiculed because everyone said, ha, 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 because my name was H.A. And my brother's name was, was Hung and Tree. So Ha, Tree, right? So he said, Ha, Ga, Hung on a tree. So people made fun of us. Uh-huh. Um, growing up in New Jersey. So when we had opportunity to change our name, we took, we took it like a heartbeat. But the decision was, how do you choose an American name? So ironically, we loved watching movies. And at the time in the 80s, there was a show called Heart to Heart, so Jonathan and Mary Hart. So I said, you know what? I like Jonathan. I just name Jonathan. And then we changed the name to Way because that's my dad's last name, real, real name. And then my brother chose Michael James Way because of Michael James Fox. Family ah, ties. Okay. And then my brother Tree, uh, his, his Chinese name is Adi. So Eddie Adi is similar. So he said Eddie Way. That's cool, man. I'm, I missed the boat on, on uh, that opportunity. I, I probably have to do that sometime down the road. Yes. And change my last name. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yours is very interesting. V cool is a very interesting uh, name. It's not Tran, but... You know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, brother. Thank you so much for jumping on to the call with me this late, man. I really appreciate your time with us. No problem. Thank you, brother. Take care. That's the end of the show. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a five stars rating and review on iTunes for the Real Estate Lab podcast. Until next time, have a prolific week.